Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? Today I'm going to be finishing up this series where I break down each division. So the last division we're going to be talking about is the NFC South. And then now that this division series is wrapped up, I'm going to be getting into some other videos, some more mock drafts, player versus player comparisons. I'm going to do must draft rookies. And then after that, I'm going to start doing my updated rankings. So make sure you guys look forward to that in the future. But right now it's about the NFC South and let's get right into it. The first team I'm going to talk about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is probably going to be the most in-depth breakdown of any team I talk about just because there's so many players who are probably fantasy relevant on this team. They're basically stacked with fantasy options at every position. And this includes guys who are at the top of their position, you know, top tier quarterbacks, top tier wide receivers, as well as a lot of guys who are solid depth options or maybe best ball picks. So they really just have a ton of guys to talk about. And so starting at quarterback, I really think Tom Brady is just gonna light it up this year. I really just don't have any doubt about it. Everything is pointing towards him having just a truly insane season. So he finished well last year as a lower end QB one, but now going into 2021, he finally has an off season, which he didn't have last year, switching teams after being with the Patriots for 20 years. And now he has to go to the Buccaneers, totally new system, totally different offense, new players, and didn't have a ton of time to get acclimated because of COVID restricting all their practices and all that stuff. And also Bruce Arians quarterbacks have historically needed a year to settle into his offense. If you look at the comparisons from year one to year two, year one, you see a bunch of turnovers, you know, kind of struggling to fit into that offense. And then year two is really where you see the huge boom. Those turnovers go down, the touchdowns go up. So that's also going in his favor. And then the Buccaneers have lost zero of their offensive weapons. They've only added players who can make positive impacts. Guys like Giovanni Bernard and Jalen Darden from the draft. And then when I'm looking at the targets in this offense, it's kind of tough to determine the amount of volume each player is going to receive just because there are so many guys who are going to be getting the ball on this roster. At wide receiver, I have Mike Evans ranked firmly over Chris Godwin just because I really like his touchdown upside. Mike Evans is Brady's number one red zone target and has also just been a consistent volume receiver in the NFL. He's had at least a thousand receiving yards in all seven of his NFL seasons, which is a crazy accomplishment. But I just like him over Godwin because I think his touchdown gives him a much higher floor. You know, we don't know on a week to week basis who's going to be receiving the volume. You know, Antonio Brown could have 10 receptions for 100 yards one game. Then Chris Godwin goes for 8 and 90 the next. We just don't know. But I think Mike Evans is a guy who's going to get consistent red zone looks. I mean, he had games last year where he would have five receptions for 100 yards. And then he would have another game where he had one reception for two yards and a touchdown. But he's a guy that can win with the volume and also his touchdown upside. And so that's why I like him a little bit more than Chris Godwin. But I think Chris Godwin can also be a solid mid-tier wide receiver too. I just think he has a little less guaranteed work than Mike Evans. I honestly expected Chris Godwin and Tom Brady to connect better last year. I mean, it wasn't bad by any means, but I really thought that Godwin working out of the slot would kind of become Brady's go-to, but it didn't really pan out that way. And then now with Antonio Brown coming in, I think that definitely hurts Chris Godwin. And I really like Antonio Brown at his current ADP. He's being picked as wide receiver 46. And I just think he's too talented and in too high powered of an offense for him to be going that low. 
AB is still incredibly talented, and if he went to any other team, he'd probably be their top receiver, if not the number two. And even last year, Antonio Brown finished as the wide receiver 26 in points per game for the eight games he played in last year, and that includes him taking a few games to get acclimated. I mean, the first game he played was that Saints-Bucks game where the Bucks just got absolutely destroyed. Antonio Brown and Tom Brady were not at the same page at all. Brown was running like a crosser up the middle and Brady thought he was going deep. They just didn't have any chemistry. And so that definitely took a few weeks for him to settle into that offense. And when he did, he became one of Brady's most trusted weapons. I think you can see from Brady wanting AB on the Patriots, then to him going to the Bucks and campaigning for them to sign Antonio Brown. Brady loves playing with him. And so I just think that should elevate AB even more this year. And there's no way he should be going at wide receiver 46. At tight end, I'm not super high on Rob Gronkowski this year. I just think on this roster, you have three capable tight ends in Gronk, Cam Brate, and OJ Howard. And so I just think it's going to be hard for him to receive a reliable target share. A guy I do like in deeper leagues or even best ball would be OJ Howard. Because if you look back at the beginning of the year, Gronk was definitely taking some time, you know, to get back in football shape. But also, he was used primarily as a blocker when O.J. Howard was in the lineup, then O.J. Howard tore his Achilles, and then Gronk was used more as a pass catcher. But O.J. Howard was the guy who was getting a lot of receiving work at the beginning of the year, and so I think he's going to be a value if he can retain that same role. Overall, I think the Bucks as a team are going to have a really great rushing attack. You have kind of this two-headed monster with Rojo and Fournette, but I just don't really like Rojo or Fournette as individual fantasy players. You just never know who's going to be getting the workload. You never know who's going to be going off on a week-to-week basis. We saw last year, Ronald Jones would normally have the first crack at games. He'd get the first possession. If he played well, they kept him in and Fournette was on the bench. If Rojo did bad, then they'd throw Fournette in and they'd give him the workload. There's just really no way to predict which guy's going to get a ton of work. And I think they're both going to have to be pretty touchdown dependent this year because with the addition of Giovanni Bernard, he's going to be their third down back. That's really the only thing this offense was missing was a running back that could consistently catch the ball and Giovanni Bernard is that guy. And so I don't wanna be picking Rojo or Fournette and having to guess on a week to week basis whether or not they're gonna get five carries for 20 yards or 20 carries for 100 yards. That's just not really something I'm interested in. But in terms of best ball, I actually do like Giovanni Bernard as a super late round running back pick. He's basically gonna be like the James White for this Buccaneers team. And so I definitely think he has some value there. All right, moving on to the New Orleans Saints. Looking at the QB position, I think Winston is the best bet to take over that starting role, but we really don't know yet. I mean, I think Taysom Hill still has a shot, and the Saints obviously like him. He's basically been like Sean Payton's utility project, and so I think Payton definitely has a soft spot for him. But when I'm looking at people talking about James Winston as a fantasy quarterback, I honestly think they're overhyping him because they're viewing Jameis Winston as the same quarterback from the Buccaneers where you know he'd go out, he may throw three interceptions, but that means he's gonna have to go out and throw 300 yards and three touchdowns. That is not gonna fly with Sean Payton. Either they're gonna have real Jameis Winston in or Sean Payton's just gonna sit him on the bench because they're not gonna be dealing with Winston going out and turning the ball over a million times when they do still have a solid defense and they have Taysom Hill who may not be as explosive in the passing game, but he's gonna hold on to the ball and he's a much safer option at quarterback. This year, I think the Saints are gonna rely heavily on their running backs. With the uncertainty at quarterback, the best player on your offense is Alvin Kamara and you're gonna have to lean on him. That's why I like Alvin Kamara as my number four running back. 
Then I also like Latavius Murray as a late round running back option. He's honestly one of the only handcuffs that I actually would really like owning, you know, unless you have one of those workhorses. And I know people are concerned about Kamara's work in the receiving game, but with a full offseason of Winston and Hill, you know, splitting snaps at quarterback, there's just no way Kamara won't be an integral part of the offense, no matter who plays quarterback. I'm positive that if Taysom Hill takes over this quarterback role, Sean Payton is going to have Alvin Kamara heavily involved. At the wide receiver position, Michael Thomas is pretty tough for me to project this year just because of how much variation there was between his 2019 season and his 2020 season. Obviously 2019 season, best fantasy wide receiver in the league, was an absolute target monster. And then 2020, probably one of the biggest busts in the fantasy season. He couldn't stay on the field. When he was on the field, he was injured and playing like garbage. He also got suspended by the Saints. So it was just a rough year for him. But so right now I have him as a low end wide receiver one. And I'm fully aware that he could return to his 2019 form and I'd likely miss out on that. You know, I have 100% confidence that the guys I have ranked ahead of him, like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, all those guys, if they stay healthy, I think they're locked in as wide receiver ones. And Michael Thomas, I'm just not 100% there with him. He definitely has a super high ceiling, but there is still a lot of uncertainty with the Saints offense. And so I think I am low on him, but he's just a player I haven't gotten super comfortable taking this year. I talked about this in yesterday's video when I was going through the Bears tight end Cole Komet, but I basically feel the same way about Adam Troutman, where I like his potential for the future, but I just don't think he's going to be getting enough numbers this year to be fantasy relevant. It's tough to see a tight end go from nowhere to startable status. I think the only time I can remember that was Darren Waller like three years ago. But that's why I'm not a huge fan of Troutman for redraft this year. Now we're on to the Carolina Panthers. And when I'm looking at Sam Darnold at quarterback, I think some people are pretty concerned with him. The way I'm looking at it is I don't think his floor is that much lower than Teddy Bridgewater's, but I think his ceiling is a fair amount higher. Bridgewater only passed for 15 touchdowns last year in 15 games. And that was while playing with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. So, I mean, Bridgewater was just not supplying these guys with really anything. With Curtis Samuel leaving the Panthers and signing with the Washington football team, it is now DJ Moore's time to truly prove himself as a mid to top tier wide receiver too. He's going to have every opportunity to be that alpha in the offense, and I really think this is the year he should be breaking through. And then another guy in this offense I really love is Robbie Anderson. He only averaged 0.9 half PPR points less than DJ Moore per game in 2020 but he's being picked almost three rounds later, which I just think is crazy. And he also has the built-in advantage of having already played with Sam Darnold on the Jets, so he should already have some built-in chemistry there. And that should definitely bump up his usage at least a little bit, especially in the beginning of the season, you know, when Sam Darnold is still getting used to the playbook and all of that. He's going to have his safety blanket and Robbie Anderson. In the draft, the Panthers selected Terrace Marshall, and I really like Terrace Marshall as a player, but I do think he's likely a year or two away from commanding anywhere close to the 100 targets that Curtis Samuel got. So I would like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson even more if Marshall wasn't on the team, but he's not a deal breaker for me because both Moore and Robbie Anderson were able to produce with Curtis Samuel's workload. And so I think they're definitely gonna be able to produce with whatever Terrace Marshall is doing this year. At running back, Christian McCaffrey is my running back one and there's no question about it. He is easily the top running back for me, top overall player. He just provides a positional advantage 
that no other running back can even come close to. So I don't think people should be getting too cute and trying to go somewhere else. Christian McCaffrey's the guy. If he can stay healthy, you're cruising through your season. And then the Panthers signed Dan Arnold at tight end in free agency, but I really don't see him having a super relevant role in this offense. He didn't really have anything going in the Cardinals where there was less weapons. And so the Panthers here with a more diverse group of targets, I don't see him really doing anything. All right, the final team to talk about is the Atlanta Falcons. And basically how much I like Matt Ryan this year is going to 100% depend on whether or not Julio Jones is with this team. So if Julio is on the team, I think Ryan is a borderline QB1. He could be QB13, 14, somewhere in there, but super close to a QB1. But if Julio's not there, I think he probably drops to a middle tier QB2. So a pretty decent fall off. And then if Julio stays with this Falcons team, I think he'll probably be a lower end wide receiver one with Calvin Ridley as a mid-tier wide receiver one. And I would have Kyle Pitts somewhere around tight end six or seven. So he'd be firmly after that Kelsey, Waller, Kittle group. And then he'd also be behind that Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson group. I am going to talk about Kyle Pitts more in depth in tomorrow's video where I talk about some must draft rookie tight ends. So look out for that. But if Julio does leave, I think Ridley moves up to at the lowest wide receiver six, and he honestly has a shot at going higher than that because he already has that deep threat role carved out in that offense. And so if he just gets a ton of more volume on top of that, he's going to be a dangerous player. And then also Kyle Pitts would have a claim at being the fourth tight end off the board, which is something I'm going to dive more into tomorrow. I also think there's a ton of value in Mike Davis this year, even though he's not like a household fantasy name. When he got the opportunity to play last year after Christian McCaffrey's injury, he did not disappoint. And with Arthur Smith as the head coach, we know he likes to run the ball. He did it with Derrick Henry, and he also is not afraid to use a workhorse, which is just perfect for Mike Davis and Mike Davis fantasy owners. So he's definitely one of my favorite mid-round running back targets based on this expected workload. I think Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin are kind of in the same boat in the sense that they could both be getting that workhorse work. They could both have the rushing role and the receiving role, but neither of them have proven you know, on their respective teams that they could maintain that role for the entire season. So that's really the concern there. But when I look at all the guys that are going around them, it's a bunch of guys who right now don't really have any solid claim to owning a backfield. So I would much rather take a shot on unproven guys like Davis and Gaskin then you know, buy a guy like Javante Williams, who I think is going to be in a dead even 50-50 split in that backfield. So that is going to wrap it up for the NFC South. Thank you guys for watching and listening. If you guys enjoyed the content, please make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe. And also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. I'll make sure to get back to you. But that's going to be it for today. Stay tuned for all those videos I talked about in the next couple of days. But thank you guys again. I'll see you tomorrow.